off to the races, folks. Um, I'm in, Aurelia, I don't know if you can tell, I'm in like kind of a weird mood today. Very hyped up. I think up. it's because you're wearing, you're wearing tie-dye, mm. which I feel like is unusual for you, at least from my knowledge of your uh, fashion choices thus far. Yes. Uh, I like thank it. You. I'm into it. I love tie-dye. It looks very well, I nice, was, but I thought... I was inspired by our episode, our chat with um, Amanda Dameron, head of content at Tastemade, and we talked about tie-dyeing mm-hmm. sweats, so that's what I did. Oh, you did? It looks really good. Thank you. It's cute. Thank you, thank you. Was it white? Yes. Or was it like light pink, white? Okay. It was white. Yeah, it looks And nice. so I put all these colors on it. And uh, actually, this is a spoiler, spoiler alert for uh, my mom and my sister. So Maddie and Linda, just skip right ahead if you're listening to this pre-Christmas pre-December 25th uh but I so I I wonder why that is what a coinky yes yeah, skip ahead so I made I tie-dyed sweat like these tops and joggers for me my sister and my mom so this is my mom's this is her like color Ooh, pattern cute right cute yeah I think hers yeah. is my favorite actually sorry Maddie um and then here's my sister's which is kind of similar to mine but Oh, yeah, that looks nice, too. Yeah. So I think they're pretty cute. And it was like fun to make them crafty. I I honestly like now that I've done it once, I straight up just want to tie dye everything. So if you have any tie dye requests, let me know. Um, I tie-dyed a pair of long johns once. This was like a really long time ago when I worked at camp. We did like tie dyeing. Um, I'd like to tie-dye bed sheets. I feel like that would be fun. Yeah, Like, get some white sheets. As long as, like, the dye doesn't, like, get get on my body while I'm sleeping. I feel like I'm a sweaty sleeper, mm. so I wouldn't want... <laughs> I mean, it could be fun. <laughs> uh... <laughs> um, oh, okay. I have something that I want to talk about. And I don't know if other people feel this way or if it's just, like, because I'm watching so much television lately... Like, I've been watching a lot of commercials. Okay. And I've seen these two commercials, one with Emma Stone and one with Natalie Portman. Sure. And they're perfume commercials. Mm. But basically, the commercial is like, oh, I'm walking through this field of flowers. Like, now I'm standing on a bridge. Like, Mm -hmm. now I'm just smiling. Ooh, now I'm kissing some man. Like whose face you don't see like you just see like the back of his head and I just I don't understand like okay so like pharmaceutical commercials they have all these rules right that um that you have to like comply with so those commercials are always like the same because of like rules Mm -hmm. but to my understanding like the perfume industry does not have those rules so it's not like they have to make perfume commercials like women just running through things is it because you can't smell through the tv so they like want you to understand like the essence of the that's a good (laughs) theory i feel like perfume commercials often will have people either diving into or slowly walking out of bodies of water uh, I totally. feel like there's a lot of that going on. And sometimes they're like fully clothed, like in glamorous 
like formal evening wear <laughs> while they do it. You know what I would really love in a perfume commercial is if someone just like walked on screen, sprayed the perfume and was like, ooh, it smells like pears and frankincense sure. yeah. or whatever. And then they're like, that's it. That's all I need to I know. I think it's like if you smell <laughs> like this perfume, you will smell like Natalie Portman as she romances a handsome gentleman at a fancy event. Uh, and who doesn't want that to be their reality, I guess, I guess is kind of I their... Guess. I guess go-to. so. I think... It just seems... I don't know. I just feel like you could do something a little bit better. Yeah. I think that uh, with commercials, I feel like similar uh, companies or like if it's all the same product, the commercials are all very similar. Like beer commercials are always very similar. And... Um, insurance insurance because they're all insurance commercials are always funny or like trying to be funny it's a very comedic genre i don't know the thing i think about insurance commercials is that it's so competitive Mm. like so like that's why geico and allstate and progressive have like very specific styles of commercials and that they're all like pretty good or pretty entertaining. Right. I think it's because insurance is really boring <laughs> and, and like those memorable things like spokespeople or comedy or whatever, that, that's like them trying to pull you in. Sure. Right. That's what I That think. makes sense. That makes sense. Um. Oh, I did. I've been doing a lot of um, internet workout videos yeah and I don't want to like pay pay for anything sure. because who does no one you know <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of YouTube and I've been doing um I've been doing a lot of yoga with Adrian. I don't know if you've ever done her videos, no you've but... talked you've told me about her before um in January she has this like calendar like every month she has like a calendar where you do yoga a day but in January I'm gonna try and do it for 30 days in a row nice so that's my goal if anyone is interested let me know and you can join me and then today I did this new workout video by this woman that the account's called mad fit and she does like these dance videos like work dance okay, workouts, yeah. and it was so fun they're only 15 minutes oh I love that and I so I did two of them I did 2000s dance workout and I did 90s dance workout and that's great that's on YouTube recommend yeah mad fit mad fit and she has like lots of other like short sometimes like sh- just like one song or like a quick ab thing or whatever. I'm really trying to figure out what kind of exercise I like right. so that it's fun and enjoyable versus feeling like an obligation. Yeah, for example, or like punishment running is <laughs> that for yeah, us, like running for you and me personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not fans. And I know some people really like running, but I was trying to think of like, what do I like to do? And I love to dance. Mm-hmm. And also, that is true. You well, do love to dance. I do love to dance, so that makes it more fun for me. And I liked the music. Also, I saw this video on TikTok of this woman 
who instead of going to the gym, she goes to like the trampoline gym and just like bounces. So I would really like, I think that's my, once I feel like working out in public is socially acceptable again, I will be doing that because that seems so fun. And it's just like tramp trampolining. Yes. Have you, um, (laughs) I don't know if you follow. It's like sky zone. Right. (laughs) I don't know if you follow busy Phillips on Instagram. Um, yeah, no, but I, no. Okay, that's okay. I don't. I uh, love her, and I love her podcast, and so I keep up with her life, like, very uh, intensely. Um, but she does a workout program called, like, it's, like, LecFit or something, and basically she has, like, a tiny trampoline in her house, and the workouts all involve this little trampoline thing and so she's like constantly posting her doing her workouts on the trampoline on Instagram and I'm like that looks very fun and like a really good workout so I like looked it up as if you know I could do what a celebrity does uh which what what a fun laugh I had uh it's like so expensive (laughs) um but someday you know I'll know that I have made it when I can do mini trampoline workouts in my home hell yeah Yeah. exactly um okay pivoting from exercise sure (laughs) to our actual favorite activities um watching television (laughs) yeah uh i i i watched the flight attendant on hbo i watched the whole thing i am dying to watch it and i have to so Joe's going to watch it with me, so I have to, like, wait. We're finishing up. Last week was the finale of The Voice and Mass Singer, and this week is the finale of The Bachelor. We've been watching a lot of reality TV. Um, so with these wrapping up, we're going to have more time, and that is, like, top of my list. So tell it me about it without any spoilies, so please. <laughs> Um, it's really good. It's like a good mix of like suspense, but like funny and kind of like Kaylee Kyoko 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 I don't know. Kaylee, good, good pal yes. Kaylee. Yeah, we're on a first name basis. Uh, she's I I wouldn't say that she's like my favorite usually mm-hmm. like. But she's really great in this. And I thought she really was, it was a good casting choice. Well, she, well, she actually is like developed the show. So this book came out and she had not even, I listened to, she was a guest on Dak Shepard's podcast. Um, Uh I listened to that and she was talking about how she like had not read the book, but someone like was telling her about it. And so she immediately like scooped up uh, the rights for it to develop it as a TV show. And so she's like, yeah, very much involved in the creation of the show, not just starring in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Highly recommend. I watched like the episodes as they came out. They released them like two at a time. Right. Three at a time, except for the last one. And I think the last one came out on Thursday. Um, and I was like really satisfied with the ending and, it just got greenlit for a second season. Woo-hoo. So definitely check it out. I highly recommend to pretty much everyone. Okay. Regardless of what you're into, I would give it a try. I'm very excited and will 
let you know uh, once I have watched it. We just watched, um, have you seen the movie White Christmas, like classic Christmas film, White Christmas? Is it in black and white? I think originally, yes, but they like remastered it. So it's in color now. You can watch it in color, uh, which is what we did. But I had never seen it and I just watched it for the first time. And it was actually like pretty cute. If you like if you like old timey singing and dancing, um, then it's for you. There's a lot of like cute tap dancing numbers. So it was fun. Fun. I don't know if I've ever seen it. Do you have, like, did we talk about this? Do you have, like, a favorite Christmas movie or, like, holiday movie? So, um, <laughs> I Joe and I just had a conversation uh, the other day where I made him come up with his favorite, favorite classic Christmas movie. So we could do this if you want as a little game right now. But favorite classic Christmas movie, favorite animated Christmas movie, favorite modern Christmas movie, and favorite Christmas movie that's not technically a Christmas movie. That's where like Die Hard would go. Okay. What's the first category? Classic. Hmm. Probably... Probably It's a Wonderful Life. That is my choice like as well. It's like the classic, Jimmy right? Stewart, I mean. Or, or A Christmas Story. That was Joe's. That's yeah. probably the other one. Oh, okay, great. Um, And then what's the next category? Animated Christmas movie. Well, I guess I'm not sure if this counts or not, but... I want to say that it falls in that category, but I would say A Christmas Carol, the Muppets version. <gasps> I am going to let it. I know it's not. I'm going to let it fly because I love, love the Muppets. I, I was talking to my niece about this the other day, actually. Um, we were talking, and it's my <laughs> my favorite. It's just so ridiculous. Um, I love the puppets. Uh, the, like, you know, like the, the, um, as the goat, like the spirits mm-hmm. that come to visit him. It's like best. Yeah, that's so um, good. Okay, you said modern Christmas movie? Yes. What is modern? 1990 and later. Okay, so I would say Love Actually. That's it, yeah. That's a good choice. Um, mine personally is actually I don't know really if this is mine but I I really love this film um Four Christmases oh wait did we already talk about this mm-hmm. no who's in that it's Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon oh yes we and did talk about like this. everyone else we did. did we talk about it on the podcast I'm not sure honestly the days just blend together no we did <laughs> No, did we? God, I don't know. But everyone just go watch Four Christmases. Like, do yourself a favor. It's so funny. It's so funny. I think we did talk about this. But that's my choice. And then a Christmas movie that's not really a Christmas movie is the last. Okay, I'm going to (laughs) say, I'm going to say Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, what a classic. Yeah. Because there's a, you know, actually the song Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is from that movie. I feel like people don't know that necessarily Mm. because it's just such a classic Christmas song. We watched that movie a lot in my, like, 
uh, music class at my elementary school because I lived in you're from, from St. Louis. Louis yeah <laughs> so we watched that multiple times um yeah my choice was Little Women oh that's so a good one and Joe's choice uh if you're wondering is Batman Returns great <laughs> you know what else gives me Christmas movie vibes but is de- definitely not a Christmas movie, but I like how inspiring it is, is Remember the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it has, it's not a Christmas movie, but if it were set during the winter, then it could be. I don't know. It's just like, it's so, it's just. I don't know what I expected you to say just then, but I can tell you that wasn't it. <laughs> Sports movies in general have big Christmas vibes because they're like this difficult thing happens mm-hmm. and then like you're the underdog and it's like a miracle like this they win or whatever. Anyways, that's <laughs> I like it. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um. So before we move into our lady of the week, I have one thing that I else that I wanted to touch on quickly. Please, please do. And this is Katie and I's other favorite hobby, which is eating and drinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I found this article uh, that Food and Wine published that eating cheese and drinking wine is good for your brain. That people with um, higher cognitive function ate more wine and cheese and lamb okay which is well also in the article but really i want to focus on the wine and cheese red wine which good for katie bad for me because i like white wine (laughs) well it's really driving a hot knife through our friendship (laughs) no it's it's great it just means we like we each get our own bottles because uh, we're, we're not sharing. So, sure, exactly. I mean, I can, I like red wine, I guess. I just don't, I'm just like really picky because it can't be too dry because it gives me like really bad heartburn. Sure. So, it has to be like a sweeter red wine. And like, if you're going to drink a sweeter red, red wine, like, why not just drink white wine? Do you think that, uh, do you think that it has something to do with, like, your spiciness aversion? Because sometimes red wines, like Malbecs, they're, like, spicy, kind of. No, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I think it's, I think it's more of the dryness that I don't like. It's just, like, I feel like I just ate deodorant, you know? Sure. Like, it's, like moisture wicking (laughs) red wine is or something you know I do not have uh the same experience but (laughs) I trust what you're saying (laughs) I'm so glad um okay so before uh we introduce our guest for this week we have a very very probably the most special lady of the week me just kidding um no no okay our lady of the week this week is deb holland and i honestly i don't know if i'm saying her last name right um it's got that double a at the beginning so if i'm not i'm truly very sorry 
uh, Wikipedia did not have. Let's just a call her Deb, phonetics. like Kaylee. Kaylee. Okay, and Deb. Kaylee and Deb. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> Deb, for those that aren't familiar, she is a U.S. representative. So she's in the House of Representatives from New Mexico. Um, but she just got tapped by President-elect Joe Biden to be the next Secretary of the Interior, pending confirmation Woo! by the Senate. Woohoo! Um, and the reason this is a big deal is the Department of Interior, uh, which seems to be kind of a mystery to people, it was created to be in charge of all the national lands and resources and wildlife. And also in that is the Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, which we should probably like change the name of that, I think, at some point. But I guess we like haven't gotten around <laughs> yeah, to it. Um <laughs> Strange. But so the man, the management of like reservations and our relationship or the U.S. government's relationship with indigenous peoples is under that as well. And she is going to be the first Native American secretary of the interior, um, which is really great and important and a good like step in the right direction towards fixing these like pretty historically not great relationships relations yeah absolutely you know what actually can i do like a little uh a little plug here for a documentary um there is a documentary on youtube and it's called dakota 38 and it is about something that happened on uh december 26th so it is timely if people want to be like watching it around this time um but it's the story of the Dakota 38 plus two, who back in the 1860s, there was like an uprising where the national government was like starving them out on their lands. And then they like fought back. And then Abraham Lincoln uh, hanged 38 Dakota leaders. And now their like descendants, in the past few years have started doing this like ride, like this horse ride to the place where it happened to like honor their ancestors. And it's just a really, really good documentary. Um, I showed it to my ethnic studies classes uh, when I was teaching ethnic studies and it was always like their favorite, favorite thing. So if like 15 year old high schoolers can get into it, then I promise it's not boring. It's like really, really good. And it talks about a lot of the issues that, uh, tribes are facing on reservations uh, with like poverty and addiction and stuff like that. So would really recommend that. Um, and also, yay for Deb. Um, I have another movie recommendation. It's not a documentary, okay. but it does focus on uh, a Native American woman. Um, it's called Wind River. Have you seen that? Is this? It's with Jeremy yep. Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. Very good. It's Very such good. a good movie. I feel like it was like really underrated. Like, not like uh, a lot of people. I think like knew about it when it came out. Um, but it's about uh, the murder of a Native American woman. And you know, at the very end of the movie, it's like more Native American women go missing and are like killed than other. Uh, populations. Yes. Um, and it's because and when stuff like that happens, it's the f- they're 
it's on federal land. So it's not mm-hmm. local authorities that get to deal with it. It's like the FBI comes in and it's mm-hmm. just, it's not top priority. And so, yeah, a lot of these women like go missing and then just nobody's looking for them. Um, yeah. Which is really sad. The movie is really good. Um, it's very, like if you're into true crime at all, it would be something definitely to recommend, like to check out. Yes. I highly recommend it. It's it's a really good movie, but also I think it has a it's a it's something good to be aware of too, yes. just in general. Yes. Okay. Should we Well, congratulations, Deb. You did it. We're proud of you. Woo-hoo. Woo. Yeah, let's let's uh introduce our guest for this week. So our guest this week uh is a friend of mine, Sarah Madura, and she is in the education field, um, but not like your typical classroom teacher. So she uh, worked at Riley Children's Hospital for a number of years, and she talks a little bit about that. And now she is working at a school up in Michigan, a middle school uh, that deals specifically with children who have emotional impairment. So it's like an alternative schooling program. Um, So very, very interesting stuff. And we're so happy that we got to talk with her. And we hope you all enjoy our interview with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited because I love talking to you and we honestly haven't talked in, I don't, maybe like a year? I don't know. We got dinner that one time and <laughs> it's been since then in good old Indy. Yeah. To to be fair, uh, when Sarah was li- still living in Indy, um, you lived up in Carmel. Way up north. Which is basically <laughs> like, right. yeah. It's like so a thing, you know, it's Carmel. It's, yeah. It's its yeah. own yeah. thing. So you're never coming down here where I am and I was never going up there. No, I get it. It's a whole different world. Truly. <laughs> truly, truly. Um, so before we get into talking about your job and teaching, which I'm excited to chat about, uh, we do have a game that the wonderful Aurelia has put together for us. So Aurelia, you can take it away if you'd like. Okay. So I did a lot of prep. Uh, for the <laughs> does that mean like one BuzzFeed qu- article? <laughs> no, it means when we got on to record, I started looking up uh slang terms I forgot, perfect. but perfect it doesn't matter because I have them now. Um, okay, so I found some slang terms that I think the kids are using these days, and I'm gonna say okay. the word. And then we're going to do Katie versus Sarah. Unless you guys want to, like, collab. I'm not trying to, like, pit you against um, each other. You know, maybe we'll just, like, see how it goes. We can, like, play it by ear. <laughs> okay. So if, if I'm doing really well, then, right. probably then want Katie to will be on her team. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, this one, okay, uh, the first one I've never heard before. Some of these I've heard because I'm really into TikTok, but this that one I have heard. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Wig. Like not the hair, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's <laughs> wig. Like I think like um, like wigging out. That's like maybe I mean. someone's like going crazy. That's what I was gonna guess because okay. otherwise I just would think of hair or like you know those like bugs like ear wigs and I don't really Ooh, know oh ear wigs are probably <laughs> okay well you're both wrong this says this says wig is a phrase used to refer to something that is amazing it refers to the idea that what you saw was so amazing and incited so much shock in you that your wig flew off the example is <laughs> Beyonce posts a photo, wig! Like people are so excited about Beyonce. I don't know. So that, this an, would I use it as a, as a noun in a sentence or a- Like I, an exclamation? I think it's like awesome or like cool, right. like wig. Is, that's my guess. I don't know if anyone under the age of like 18 is this, hit us up. We yeah. need your help. Put it in the com in those comments. I'm writing these down so I can use that. <laughs> yeah, this is actually we're trying to help you relate to your students better. So you're welcome. I'll be so cool. Okay, this next one I really love. Okay, it's called it's period with a T on No, I know this one. I know this one because okay. it's like it's like you're like that's the end of the conversation like period period i think because my students last year were really into this and at one point they wrote that on something and then another student in the class was like what's period plus and then everyone uh for the rest of the semester in that class they were always saying period plus but not like in a mean way like everyone was in on the joke and they just thought it was really fun but they always told me it was pronounced period and you had to do like this with your hand. Oh, right. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna, I, I'm gonna collab Katie on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's right. Period yes. is a word used at the end of a sentence meant to add emphasis to a point that has been made. For example, I don't want to hear anything else about what I'm doing wrong until you find ways to get yourself right. Period. Yep. I can't say it. It makes me nervous. <laughs> Shout out to um, Madison from my class. She was the one that was really into that phrase. Okay. I have not heard of this one, although I think it is somewhat self-explanatory. This one is big yikes. My kids use that Two all the time. That's I, just like, like extra, like, <laughs> like extra, like, ugh. Yeah, big yikes, the more intense version of the word yikes. So I thought I was posting it to my Finsta, but it went to my actual account. Yikes. Even, <laughs> even worse, now she knows I was with her boyfriend last night. Big yikes. Big yikes. Oh so, no, that right. sounds like that person needs to get it together. <laughs> I know. Also, I think most, I, this is a business insider article, but all of the sources are from um, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So 
This next one I know because my old boss, her teenage daughter, used to say it, and she like brought it up in our meeting once. Okay. Uh, bet. Wait, what? Bet. Oh, bet like um. It's like like okay, like I you know. Yeah, like you're accepting a challenge, kind of. Right. I, I've heard my students say it, but like they're like, all right, bet, like, yeah, like, just like, okay, cool. Is it like I bet? Like I bet, except they're just saying bet. I don't know. <laughs> I always thought it was like, uh, like, watch, I'm gonna go like ask this person out, and then someone's like, no, you won't, and they're like, bet. And then they yeah, go do I it. Have like I'm gonna do it. it. <laughs> I oh. but my students right now use it as like a like I'll say like, uh, do you need a pencil? Like bet. Oh, <laughs> like a yes. You know what? Like, yes. you're, you're both you're both right. Okay. This word has many uses. It can be used in lieu of the word okay or yes, but it can also be used as a response when someone challenges you instead of saying watch or we'll see. Wow! Look at oh. us. We're on top. So, for example, you're not going to come to the party tonight. You never come to these types of events. All right, bet. That's like you okay. know, second one. Yeah. Um, Midora, do you remember in college when there was like a phase where everyone was doing like a like bet game, and then you would both like say a number? Yes. Oh, it was like bet, you would do like bet fifty, and then it'd be like one, two, three, and then you'd both say a number inside of zero and fifty. And if you like both got the same yes thing, you like had to do it. Wasn't that like a big thing that we did for a long time? I have done it quite frequently since college as well. <laughs> it was fun. Um, okay, before we move on to the next one, I'd like to request that you guys start calling me Vanderkolk because you're both calling each other by your last names and I'm feeling really left out. And I also want to know why you're doing that. Kappa. <laughs> yeah, that's just what we did in our, in our sorority. Did you not do that in yours? You all called each other by your last name? Yeah. Or just like, you didn't do it in or... Or we would call each other by like nicknames, like so. Uh, Mo my friend Morgan, who you know, um, we would call her Moro because her name is Morgan Ross. I mean, people had nicknames, I guess. Yeah, or like you know, I would just call Meg like Little or something, but like not. I don't know, not really. Also, Vanderkolk is far, far too long, so maybe I just yeah. missed. <laughs> well, and you're probably like the only Aurelia. Right. Maybe yeah. a lot of Sarah's and Katie's. I see. Okay. Okay. Well, I would like to be called Vanderkolk for the rest of the episode. You got okay. it, Vandy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what have I done? Okay. This one is, it's like two. It's cap, C-A-P slash no cap. Uh, so they, they're similar, but they mean like opposite things. I I've, think, I've never heard of this. I think that no cap is like no lie. Mm. Like how we would say like no, I mean, 
not that we really say that, but people would say, no lie. I think it means the same thing. That's a great guess. I was going to guess like no chill or, Ooh. but I think I like your answer better. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Katie, you're right. To cap, to, to cap is to lie about something, whereas no cap means to tell the truth. For example, okay. what you said is the biggest cap I've heard in a minute. <laughs> Not a very good descriptive sentence, but whatever. <laughs> I think it works. That's good. <laughs> um, okay, let's do, we'll do one more. Deal. Um, ooh, okay, this is my favorite. Okay, Stan. Oh, that's like... Yes, like we stand, we love, like mm -hmm. super, super into this. Yeah, but did you guys know the origin story of this? Mm -hmm. That it, it, okay, so stan can be a noun for an overzealous and obsessive fan, a verb needing to be that kind of fan. Okay, it came from the Eminem song, Stan. Or like that song with Dido in it, where like Eminem is talking to his like obsessed fan, oh. and they're like like writing letters back and forth, and his name is Stan, hmm. and that's where it came from. Hmm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. I always thought it was just something to do with like the word fan because they rhyme. Hmm. <laughs> Somehow it got, huh? Well. Yeah. Interesting. We really but learned you know, a lot. Happened, right? The the song where Dido's like da 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 Oh yeah, I know that song. It's from that song, I'm pretty sure. That's with Eminem. Yeah, that's Emin Eminem and Dido did a collab. Are you looking it up? <laughs> yeah. We always <laughs> we always do a live yeah. Yeah, Stan. it's the song is called Stan. Wow. My I didn't know that. Okay, okay. Isn't that interesting? And I I had heard that before and it makes sense, but it like blew my mind. Um well we didn't keep score, but I think you guys both did pretty good. I think collaboratively we won. Yes. I do think you did much better than I did. Good job, <laughs> Petlidge and Madura. <laughs> thanks, Vanderkolk. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's just so awkward to say, isn't it? As like adults. <laughs> no, no, my last name. I just wish I had a better last name for nicknames. Anyways, that's a, that's another episode, I think. Yeah, well, that's a whole other episode. We should save that. We'll get a name expert on here and talk about it. Um, okay, well, let's let's like get into uh, what everyone's here for, which is that sweet, sweet interview. Um, so, Sarah, now I feel like now I'm really paying attention to what I'm, what names I'm using. Um, but we always start with the same question, which is what did you want to be when you grew up and what do you do now? Um, extremely boring. I wanted to be a teacher 
and yeah, I yeah that tracks teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I actually um in elementary school used to I had a whiteboard in my basement and I would make lesson plans on my sick days from home and then force <laughs> my friends to play school with me and they still talk about the fact that they hated playing school with me because I would actually make them behave and do work. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of teachers do that. Like I definitely uh, played school just with my sister though. And she wasn't really paying it much attention. So it sounded like you had more success uh, with that than I did. But yeah, I feel like there's just something about it where we're like early on, we're like, we should, we need to start now. <laughs> Get in those desks. Planning now. I just ago. love planning. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you teach now, you said, but can you elaborate like what exactly you're, you're teaching where or where, what kind of school you're teaching in? Absolutely. That is something that I did not predict when I was doing these lesson plans. So now I am uh, at a center-based program for kids with emotional impairment. So I'm middle school teacher there and it's kids that are our district services, 16 districts around um, the Grand Traverse area. And if they are determined that they really can't receive their services in their general ed school, they will come to us um, and we'll help them. And the goal is to transition them back to those general ed settings. But yeah, so it's an amazing, wonderful, challenging, stressful environment that I love so much. So what is it, what is like a typical day like? Oh my goodness, that was not a sentence. What does a typical day look like for you? Um, <laughs> crazy. Um, it, so I have, it's really nice in a, a teacher kind of setting. So for special education caseload normally is huge. It's humongous. Um, but I only have six kids on my caseload and we can only have a maximum of 10 just because of the high intensity and needs of our kids. Um, so it does feel like a lot more than six, but it is really nice that I, I do have that ability to kind of just individualize that instruction um, and, and just really focus on each kid that way. And so a typical day is uh, my kids will come in and you know, in the morning they come in, have breakfast, we kind of get settled, all of that. We have a, a dedicated time school-wide for social-emotional learning, which is fantastic because that's something I'm super passionate about um, and I think is so necessary, but doesn't often get its own chunk of time in school days. And so our whole school has that. And so we do that. And then I'm in secondary, so then we will switch classes. So overall, I probably have, I see about 15 to 20 different kids throughout the day. Um, and I teach SEL, English, math, social studies, and science. So yeah, but it's it, it can look anything from trying to teach, redirecting things, just really trying to, it's a constant um, trying to help the kids reach that regulation point that you can 
access them for academics um, and just keep their safety. And so um, a lot of the times that does look like just in the high intensity at our school, there are a lot of um, times where the safety risks do escalate to the point that there does need to be safety management. I, I have within the last three months been punched, kicked, spit on, bitten, threatened with a hatchet, um, just lots of, lots of different things. And uh, so it just, every day is, every day is new and lots of different uh, avenues to try to just get those kids to reach that regulation point and learn how to cope. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of creativity is needed yeah. for someone in that position. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, so what is your like licensing? Do you have a special ed license? Yes. So Butler, I got, had my mild intervention, which would not have prepared me for this. Right. <laughs> but so in Michigan, I needed a, an EI endorsement, so emotional impairment. Um, but my work at, at Riley, my previous position in the behavioral health unit there, I had enough time there working directly in a, in a position that met those requirements for the licensing to be transferred up to here. So I am special ed, but I have an EI endorsement. Okay, got it. Um, you mentioned your former job at Riley. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of people will find that really interesting because I find it really interesting. Yes, I also found it very interesting. So <laughs> Butler was just a really wonderful way to open up my eyes to, to different opportunities in education. You know, I went in thinking I was going to be specifically like a second or third grade teacher, a gen ed classroom, and really had no concept of even special education or other things that you can do with an education degree. You had, and, you had a job lined up, right? Yes. Or, in, yeah. Okay. Actually, we could have. Yeah. Been. In the district that I taught at. <laughs> Yeah, and it was a, that was, I mean, that's a whole other story. That was a right. very difficult decision to say, no, they were a wonderful district and, and school, and it was going to be an awesome job, but um, my, I had done student teaching. I had the awesome opportunity to student teach for a semester at Riley. They have a school program there, and there's not a ton of school programs in the country, but they are popping up over and, you know, more and more. And the goal of that is to really have that continuity of education between school and hospital, all the kids with chronic illnesses or um, long-term traumas that keep them in the hospital, really have that disruptive, disrupted access to education. And so it's just kind of trying to bridge that gap. And so Butler, was hooked up with Riley, um, their school program, and they send student teachers there every year. And so I was lucky enough to do that. And I just fell in love with it. It was really highlighted all of the things that I was really passionate about getting into education and um, just really was able to focus on that and kind of didn't highlight some of the, the things I didn't love about education and mm -hmm. in a, a general education setting. And so they, I student taught there and then between graduation and where I was supposed to, when I was supposed to start my new job, uh, 
in Avon. I was filling in for a maternity leave position um, and then a week before school was going to start, they had a last minute opening and offered it to me. And one of the hardest decisions ever, but I'm so glad, grateful I made it. I, then I worked for four years on our uh, adolescent behavioral health unit. So just a unit that kids in crisis, psychiatric crisis will come to um, for safety. And I was a teacher there. I kept them up on schoolwork and then really helped them to reintegrate back into school. But it's really difficult to do that after being gone for a week, two weeks from a psychiatric crisis. Um, so yeah, that's what I, what I did there. And it really opened up my world and vision to mental health and emotional impairment and just really that importance of that in schools. Definitely. I, when you were at Riley, so were you, is it very much like one-on-one individualized learning plans for these kids, I'm guessing? Yes, definitely. And that was very nice because I would, you know, if I had one of your students, Hetledge, I would contact you and ask for you to send any work that they would need to be making up. And so then um, I would really work with them one-on-one to make sure that they were understanding the material, to send it back so that it's just like one less thing for them and the parents to worry about. And then my big job was really working on with them one-on-one and our treatment team and the school to create 504 plans or IEPs or any accommodations that they might need to Um, help them when they get back for academics. For sure. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, what training has helped you the most uh, with your job at Riley and your job now? Did you have to get any um, others like special certificates or anything? Great question. No, I didn't have to, but um, I should have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's, yeah, no, I definitely, I think that is a kind of future for that, that realm as they grow. Um, but I, the most life-changing training that I got, it was a applied educational neuroscience certification through Butler. Um, and it was Dr. Lori Desita, which Hetledge knows her daughter. I know, it's Sarah's mom. (laughs) Yes. Not this Sarah, different Sarah. Different, Sarah. Also a Kappa. This is why we had to go there last week. <laughs> That's exactly why. <laughs> um, so, uh, she, Dr. Lori, she is incredible and amazing, and she had uh, started a applied educational neuroscience certification through Butler, and it really talks about trauma and the brain, and um, it it just explained everything that I was seeing at Riley and didn't know how to help with. I I didn't know how to help navigate behaviors that I was seeing. I didn't know how to get schools to understand um, what these kids needed. I didn't even know what these kids needed. I I just couldn't understand it. And she just, this program is such a uh, pioneering field and that has just changed everything for me, both professionally and personally just understanding the brain and trauma and how that impacts our nervous system and how that comes out with behaviors and what 
you really do need to not just um, it kind of shifting that away from not just stopping behaviors, but truly trying to help those kids regulate and change their patterns in their brains and in their nervous system so that they can really, it's, it's a long-term change for them um, and how their whole being is. And that's really what I have gotten so passionate about. It's not just I'm not just trying to get compliant children. I am really trying to teach them how to self-regulate by showing them um, what, you know, how I regulate by being there with them, by not uh, amping up their behaviors, by getting into power struggles or anything like that, and and just really trying to help them be able to to regulate so that I can teach them those. SEL skills of social emotional learning skills and how um, that can help just through you know, having relationships with them and, and modeling how I would want them to treat me um, and uh, you know, just having those conversations. And so that is what I have gotten super passionate about that. And I owe all of that to Dr. Lori and, and her program. Yeah, that's such a cool topic. Is that uh, that's just like a program you can apply to at Butler, right? Okay. Yes. And it is cool, cool, cool. going exponentially every year. I mean, I think they had 70 people in this cohort this year. Wow, that's great. Yeah. I feel awesome. like, I mean, social emotional learning is, it's kind of like a hot topic in education right now. Um, just because we're seeing how much it relates to things like school discipline and mm. school safety. Um, and I think people now, especially with the pandemic, it's like mental health can't be talked about enough. Mm -hmm. Um, where do you kind of like see this growth taking us education wise? Like, I know you're, do you see like more programs and schools like the one that you're in now popping up or do you see it more being maybe just implemented in, uh, like mainstream schools? I, where it, it really depends on the area, honestly. And I've learned a lot of this through working at Riley and also working with Dr. Lori. Um, I think that unfortunately we have over the past 20, 30 years really relied on that separation of mainstream mm -hmm. and special ed, especially kids with emotional impairment. Um, and it really has been that separation. And and there's merit, I think, in, in both. I There's pros and cons about my program being separate. You know, it's, it's really good because we have dedicated, highly trained staff um, that can service 16 districts rather than each district trying to get their own. Um, sure. And at the same time, it's you don't have those um, more positive peer interactions. You don't have, and you, you kind of get that uh, thought process a lot of the times that it's, okay, well, you know, this is what we do in gen ed and then everything else goes into this box. And, and really what uh, applied educational neuroscience and this movement is trying to do is it, it's not separate. It is in with, it should be within everything we do. We should be able to talk about it in science. We should be able to model it. It's really just the way that we are and, and part of our routines and procedures and how we set up our classrooms and how we talk to kids and how we discipline kids. It, it's not, it, it doesn't have to be an, 
an extra thing. Um, it really needs to be part of just our being and the school culture and climate of making kids feel safe and regulated because all of the science and data shows that that is how you can get kids to access academics and make that growth and make that improvement um, and then later down the line be more successful members of society and, and be able to communicate with people um, and so I have felt that shift in different areas. I do think Indiana over, even from when I started at Riley almost almost five years ago now to when I left, uh, I even felt the shift in Indiana with different schools that I would talk to, different districts really buying into this, um, or the Indiana Department of Education. Uh, they, uh, two or three years ago, they created this whole new, part of them that is social emotional behavior wellness and um, Christy Berger is doing amazing things with that and partnering with Dr. Lori and, and really making that more of a conversation on a higher level as well as it's it's really seeping into a lot of um, the districts around but in other places you go it's not so much so it just really it depends on yeah the area of I think the country and it, I do hope and think that the pandemic will help with that, you know, recognizing that, wow, we are going to have so much trauma from this and our kids are going to have so much underlying PTSD that shows up um, in more ways than we can probably even imagine. And so we're not going to be able to focus all on academics. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that we kind of turn to the right people and the right programs to, to help mitigate those. Absolutely. Definitely. So for someone that's maybe interested, this is a two, what I like to call a two-pronged question. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone who might be interested in, um, non more non-traditional teaching um what would you recommend to them how to sort of get a foot in the door and also what type of qualities do you think are important for someone interested in pursuing this like what do you what have you found that you're you're of your skill set that you're relying on the most uh, um so i think my first obviously biased answer would be if you are interested, go to Butler. Uh, <laughs> Which clearly. Butler really does have an amazing college of education. And I don't think a lot of people outside of the education world know that, but it's like very, very renowned. Absolutely. And th that prepared me the, the most. And I think something that um, through my undergrad at Butler and then also my the applied educational neuroscience certification there i think the thing that i benefited from most that i'm sure you could find at other places too but like Lee <laughs> butler is the best one <laughs> but the thing that i would really recommend for someone when they're going to those places is to really ask about the teaching philosophy a lot of colleges of education will talk about um really the the programs that pre prepare and they will name a lot of like kind of different techniques and, and really focus on the, well, we use this technique and we use this and this and this and it, um, 
what I have really recognized is that, yes, that is important and, you know, critical, but what has, I feel like made me the teacher and educator that I, I can be now and really looked a, a bigger um, and tried to understand these kids and, and continue to try to put the pieces together for every kid that I have is that Butler taught me to be a critical thinker and to really think outside of the box and their philosophy is really every child is individualized and following the kids lead to an extent and really trying to give them that that power back for their education instead of it being a top down it's really you're trying to to meet them where they are um, and I feel like that has been the most critical thing that I, I really do rely on um, in everything I do because programs are going to initiatives are going to change they're going to come and go and then come back around and <laughs> and so there's always going to be a new Pontus and Pinnell or whatever and there are those are wonderful and great and much easier to be trained on versus a, an internal philosophy um, and I think in college is the most critical time to create that philosophy for yourself um, and so I think that would be my, my biggest recommendation and then i don't did i answer both prongs or only uh one? what qualities oh what <laughs> are we sorry no you're fine wrong madeira <laughs> sorry vandy <laughs> um i think open-mindedness uh you will have to continue to learn all the time and um, calm calm demeanor and ability to reflect I think is huge that is one thing that in a lot of traditional discipline especially when it's that that top down you unintentionally escalate kids especially kids with trauma and that really sets the stage for everything and then you get into a power struggle and then um, all of these all of these things so and I think that is not just critical for the kids I work with in a, a self-contained school it is so crucial for general ed settings I mean really if we caught them all there all the kids there and and everybody could um, was able to do this and there was enough support in general ed schools to be able to do this um, we wouldn't have to have schools that were individualized like that um, and yeah so I think just open-mindedness calmness and, and the ability to reflect I guess would probably be my my biggest things for somebody that I would look to work with that I focus on for myself um, to kind of keep me grounded and pointing in the direction I need to go I don't know if that sure. no that's a great answer <laughs> um let's say that you have maybe a gen ed teacher who does not have uh time to like take another pro mm -hmm. like go through a graduate program or something and but they want to know more about the kind of work that you do with your kids and 
bring that into their classroom, those practices into their classroom. Do you have any, and I didn't like prep you for this, so I'm sorry. And if you don't have any off the top of your head, totally don't worry about it. But do you have any like books or podcasts or just resources that maybe they could turn to? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. No, I'm very prepared for this answer. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think overall, some, one book that I think everybody, every human in this world needs to read is Dr. Bruce Perry's The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. Um, it is heavy, but he is a physician. He's an MD and PhD. He's a genius. Um, and he works with kids with trauma. Um, and he really is a, a pioneer in the research of just brain development and uh, understanding kids that make very poor decisions a lot of the time and, and being able to trace back to where in brain development was it disrupted um, and then treating based on that. So there, without getting too much into it or spoiling, um, <laughs> No spoilies. That's all there. He was. He talked about a kid that was him and his brother. His brother, you know, grew up no problems, but then um, the younger kid had lots of very violent offenses and and crimes and um, sexual crimes and uh, just really bad stuff. And so. The family didn't really understand how like the two could be so different and, and Dr. Bruce Perry was able to go back and really trace that when the younger son was growing up, um, it was a time where the family had moved away from their larger family and the dad was working a, a new job, 12 hour shifts and the mom had a bit of an intellectual disability. So a lot of the times she would just like leave him in his crib in the dark and, and go for walks into the park with the older brother and really giving him that care not knowing, you know, she would feed him, she would uh, let him sleep, she would change him, all of the basic necessities, but really wasn't giving that like co-regulation and, and that care for how your brain needs to develop. And so then he never developed empathy um, or that ability to co-regulate to regulate himself because he never learned how to do that through that other person. Um, and so that's where we see a lot. And in our schools, you know, we are trying to rewire that for our kids by teaching them co-regulation, by being there, by, by staying calm, by giving them the love, the care, because that's where you really have to start. Um, so I could go on about that book forever, but that's one for sure. Um, Dr. Lori, obviously, I will say all of her resources are tremendous and have helped me and any teacher that I talk to about this. It will always come. I've never had somebody not come back and say, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, and so she has come out with a, four books and one she just came out with. It's Connections Over Compliance. She has a website that has a ton of free resources. Um, her social media is always filled with resources. So that's another good one. Anything by um, Peter Levine is a really good one. And then uh, Resilience, the documentary, is a fantastic one. And then Nadine Burke Harris, she has TED Talks, she has um, podcasts that she's on, um, and talking just kind of about trauma and what it does to the brain and, and nervous system in general. So that's hey, nice. Thank you. I was like making a little list uh, right. for myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have one more question. Um, 
I think that for a lot of people, even people who love teaching, working with kids who have emotional impairments can be intimidating Mm -hmm. and maybe like a little bit scary. So can you tell us just like, what's your favorite part about your job? Yeah. And I will say I was one of those teachers. I did not think that I was going to last in the job I was at Riley. Um, when I got bit in the head for the first time, I was like, Butler did not prepare <laughs> for me. For the first time. Um, <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> um, and it really, it is scary. And what I learned was that knowledge truly is power. And when I was able to relate it, that educational neuroscience, understanding how that relates to myself like we are we teach who we are and we are who we teach and you know that is so true for this um so that's kind of what i'll I'll say just in general like it's it's hard it's so intimidating and it really threatens our biggest insecurities as teachers when a kid is acting out because we take it personally and we say well they are acting out because i'm doing this wrong or they are acting out because of this um and you know, I, I don't have control and I can't predict what's happening. So we'll say it's a, it is, it can be scary. Um, but I have so many favorite stories. Oh my gosh. Um, one of, one from this year. So there is this, one of the kids and I just, he is so ridiculous and infuriating, but I love him so much. He is truly one of my favorite students I've ever had. Um, he has just been proven time and time again in his life that the people that he cares about or care about him will leave in some way, um, whether that is naturally or choosing to. And so, you know, he, the beginning of the year was very, just um, very cold and hard and you know, I don't care about anybody. I hate everybody equally. And so, you know, I'll never, you'll never get me to care about you cursing all the time. And, you know, a lot of that is, is still there. Um, but we, we share, we have just shared a really special bond and, um, about a month and a half ago, probably he, there was just something that kind of like switched even colder and darker. And every, every time he saw me, he would get really angry. Every time he came into my, my classroom, it would be trying to, you know, disrupt things to, you know, gang up on me with other kids. Um, and one day he (laughs) called me an effing slut and it was just like, for those of you who don't know, Sarah Madura, uh, she's really not anymore. So, Thanks. anymore. <laughs> so we- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and he, well, he also, this one was kind of scarily accurate, but he said, you know, sometimes you just make me think like you, you, look like you're young but you act like a middle-aged woman going through your middle or midlife crisis i was like that is scarily accurate oh my god good insult it's like a sharp oh i mean he is uh, he can 
he's so smart he's way too intelligent for his own good and and he's so funny too and like that's where there are just some things i shouldn't laugh at but i do but i was not laughing at this one because i was like i felt like i was about to cry because i was like this is my favorite student and he is mm -hmm. you know i couldn't separate myself from that um but rational attachment all of the things you know kept forging on convincing myself you know like he just needs this and then I, less than a week later you know something switched back again and I think you know him just seeing that I wasn't leaving him and like I, I had to try very hard to continue to be like very kind and not put up that wall uh, but really you know working on that relationship and all of a sudden you know he before he left one day he ran into my room he gave me a hug he said he was sorry and he got on the bus and I was talking to a parent and then I turn and I see him running off the bus gave me a hug next day he told me that I would be the only person in the school he would trust with his Pokemon cards which is like he is wow. so about his Pokemon cards <laughs> and now it's like he his only his two safe places in the school are my room and you know his teachers his caseload teachers room so I think that's probably like my favorite story because it just yeah I, they can be so infuriating and challenging and that was the most classic EI story I've ever <laughs> I've ever heard uh, but it's just so rewarding and they're amazing and wonderful and they just have been screwed over so many times and they just need they need that love and they need those relationships so and they're just kids they're just kids yeah well thank you for sharing that with us yeah thank you so much for joining us yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to catch up on all of your episodes. Oh yeah, we we've got we've got a few now <laughs> under our belt. Eleven. 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 Yeah. This, this is twelve. Be, this is twelve. Good for us. Twelve. <laughs> nice. Yep. 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 Well, Sarah Madura, <laughs> it was so nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for thank chatting you with us. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. I'm honored. Thanks for listening to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. So we hope you'll subscribe and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And follow us at GJW Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.